Welcome to the news and why it matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez. What was the top story for you, Mr. Glenn Beck? Top story today is uh, the second coming of Christ coming to a country near you. Is it Canada? Right. That's, that's, should we book tickets? I'll, I'll go with you. You're racist. You'd assume it's Canada instead of Mexico. Unbelievable. It's true. Yeah. You're right. Um, I'll go with uh, the national emergency and the Democrats uh, tipping their hand a little bit. All right. And uh, Andrew Heaton from Something's Off with Andrew Heaton. The draft. The, NFL? the draft. Yeah. Yeah, that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to hear Andrew's take on the Ooh. NFL draft. Yeah. Actually. I, I, I saw that Zeki is getting recruited. F- for basketball, and then I, I was like the Secretary of the Interior, and then it was Zinke. I don't know what I'm talking about. Before we, <laughs> before about we tackle all of that, I want to thank our sponsor, American Financing. <laughs> American Financing is a company that I started doing business with 2008, actually, right after the crash, um, because I had said to this finance company, hey, we do mortgages, and I'm like, everybody does mortgages now. You can get them and cash checks. Um, and... Uh, uh, I said, I, I'm not going to represent mortgage. And the only company I do is this one, still from 2008, because after the crash, all of their customers were fine because they didn't shoehorn them into something they couldn't afford. If they look at your finances and if they don't think that this is wise or right, they did it to Stu. He was doing some sham. They were like, hey, idiot, this yeah, isn't like, going to work. This is not really a good idea. We don't want to do that. They don't jam you in. They try to do the right thing by you. They close really fast. They're really great. It's AmericanFinancing.net. AmericanFinancing.net. All right. So, um, Jesus. We need him right Jesus now. Jesus is coming. <laughs> we need him. Yeah, I I mean, I'm I'm... It's interesting to me that in a country that is supposed to be pretty religious, that I'm not hearing this everywhere, that, um, you know, when, when the Democrats in 2012, you know, voted against God three times in their platform, I don't know if you remember that, but it was pretty shocking, and especially, oh, we're just going to ask you three times, not two, not four, oh, yeah. three times they had to deny God. And if you look, before that, they were, they were crazy, but they were all still kind of in hiding. And then it just started getting crazier and crazier and worse and worse and worse until today where we're like, yeah, what? so what? It's a baby. We don't like the look of it. And they're willing to kill them. Pretty crazy. And it's happened really fast. Well, t- yesterday, by not voting to not kill children, I think... I mean, I don't know where God stands on the, on the vote balance. I'm not really comfortable with only 53 <laughs> votes against that. Uh, but at least it was a majority. Uh, but the Democrats, including every single presidential hopeful on the de- Democratic side, refused to say, yes, that's a baby. We shouldn't kill babies. I think this is a, a, a sign of the imminent demise of um, of any kind of divine providence and protection, perhaps for the country, but definitely for the the Democrats. The Democrats, I think, have have revealed themselves for who they truly are. And once you're in bed and you're willing to say that, can you think of anything more horrible than, well, yeah, it's a newborn, so we snuff its life. What's the big deal? We just leave it in a closet to cry and starve. I can't think of anything more horrific. Where do they go from there? Because you don't go to Happy Town, USA from there. You just get darker and darker and darker. I think the Democrats 
um, who are my friends, Democrats who are in the center of the country that, that are not these progressive socialist, now baby killers, uh, they better wake up because their party has had a hostile takeover and it's going to go downhill fast from here. Stuart, you want to weigh in? Uh, I mean, I'd like to believe that they think there's something else, you know, there's there's something else in this bill and it's a slippery slope. And, uh, you know, I, I think that there is a that was certainly the argument they made on the floor. Right. Which was, you know, look, this is actually going to weaken uh, doctors and it's going to hurt health care uh, for women. But I mean, the bill really doesn't do that. I mean, it, the only thing it does is if some if a doctor were to have a live baby that was born again after a failed abortion. So this is born and it's alive. Uh, if they did not treat it, they could get sued by the by the mother. That's the that's that's how the real damage uh, to doctors in their health care. I mean, look, I think there's a there was a, an argument that they were making that this is just a show vote, right? This is just a you know trying to get people on record for for this thing, and it's ridiculous. We already have a law on this, but the law, the previous law is 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 somewhat uh, uh, shows how far we've gone because this is 2002, and in 2002, this the same thing passed without um, the additional, the one additional step of saying you had to have medical care. So it defined a, b- a baby that was born after a failed abortion as a human being with the rights of a human being. Um, and that was in 2002. This added on, well, you also have to treat it, which is kind of, I think, implied in the first law, but not specific. So, you know, we it's have important cases. to be specific on such a thing, I suppose. 588 cases of these since 2002. That we know of. That we know of, where doctors just put them in a closet and let the children die. Just right. neglected them. 588 children. That's 588 too many. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that is murder. That's murder. But again, this bill in 2002, which did essentially the same thing, passed with zero uh, no votes uh, from Democrats. How, it many, w- how many people were running for president at that time? <laughs> Apparently not so enough. I think uh, most of this is posturing. And you can get, I think you can so. get mad at people for posturing, particularly if it involves yeah. infanticide. But I think that's what basically is going on. Is no, no, one, no Democrat running for Congress wants anything, or running for president, wants anything that looks like it might be anti-choice uh, yes. in any capacity. I would agree, although that only, that only describes, that's only five of them. Right. Um, so, I mean, you've got, you know, you still have uh, a lot more. What was it? It was the final vote was, I think, only three Democrats voted yes. uh, against against um, or with the Republicans. Yeah. West Virginia. And I uh, uh, yes. Uh, West Virginia. Uh, Pe- Casey, Pennsylvania yeah. family, and, obviously uh, famous. Uh, Alabama, right. Uh, and Alabama. Right. Which, again, oh, okay. two people. Uh, uh, I mean, Manchin's been consistently like in the middle sort of and and Casey's you know has a pro-life history Jones we don't know exactly but he obviously is running in Alabama for the Senate so he kind of falls I'll give you that one Jones would be a Republican in 47 other states yes I have to tell you you can't tell me I mean what would make you say oh I'm gonna vote for the presidential election is there anything that is that would make you go on record I mean this is this is the lack of the fear of God in our in our nation now um, what would what would allow you to have a record with your name attached to it for all time that you said no, no, we don't need to resuscitate or or cuddle or care for or do anything to a baby that's been born. We tried to kill it, we missed, so we're going to let it die. I mean, I think I'll, I'll it, does, it does say a lot about <laughs> it does say a lot really quickly uh, about our society, as you were saying, Andrew. If this is posturing. I mean, that says a yeah, lot. That's, well, right, you're that's ballsy. That. That you're willing to do that 
to posture because you think it will make you look better to the American people. Now go ahead, right. play ball. Well, so so with, with this specific bill, like, like if we were to take it out of the kid zone, right, and just say we're making a bill that's against the law to commit murder on a federal level, I think I might vote against it, not because I'm in favor of murder, but I would just go, this doesn't sound to me like it should be a federal law. So like I can see instances... Murder? M- murder is a federal law. It's Wait. a federal offense. Is it? What, why not, it's not handled by state authorities? No, because you could murder somebody in one state and then go to another state and get away with okay. it. All I'm saying is I could see situations where there, there would yeah. be something that may not be... But, but why not just reinforce it? I mean, if it's what you believe, why not reinforce that sure. by, by voting? Yeah, I'd like, yes. like, you know, you, you could, yeah, that would make sense. I don't know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just yeah. tossing out stuff of situations yeah. where, like, I could, like, if, 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 you were, if you were saying, like, we're going to swing really hard and we're going to have, like, we're now going to have a, a big federal program and, and lots of money to pay for all these things, okay, yeah, yeah, now yeah, I want to get different. into the weeds no, 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 on that's this. different. That's yeah. different. I think that's true. I mean, because there is, there is a risk of, because everyone kind of theoretically agrees on something like this, that you could, you know, to yeah. show our how tough we are on it, we create a new yeah. federal program yeah. and that could be Patriot Act. Right. That's, that's a huge mistake. What, are you for the terrorists? No, right. I'm not for the terrorists, but that's not this case. Yeah, this case, I, I mean, I think you know. Look, to make it simple, SAS kept it simple and put very little in this. Very. In this, I mean, it really is a very simple bill, and I think because there is a, I think a, a lot of Democrats would would say this is sort of. Of, uh, you know, apocalyptic. But I think there is a real legitimate fear among Republicans who see person after person after person from the Democratic Party go on television and defend abortion up to the last second. Mm-hmm. And then multiple politicians and bills passing over the last couple of months that say, you know what, well, it's the choice of the doctor and the mother of whether they're going to resuscitate an infant that was actually born. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, like the, the choice argument to me really... I always think it's a bad argument. It's not my. It's not my issue. But I mean, even if you believe in it, all the it way up to, to birth, be. like this is this is. There's no more involvement for the mother. The child has is already exited the body. There is there, there's no connection. The cord's been cut. At that point, there should be an easy realm to defend that. And I think even you know again. You know, third trimester abortion is already opposed uh, 80 to 14 in this country. There's no reason why you can't get to this level uh, to come across and say, hey, we see this this line creeping too close to this. Let's make a, a definitive wall here, if you will, and say we're not going to go past this. Let's acknowledge what we should all agree upon. And the fact that we apparently don't all agree upon it is a little concerning, yeah. to, to, to say the least. Uh, I want to go ahead and move on to uh, the national emergency. Yes. So the vote is, you know, we're in the middle of these votes uh, for the National Emergency Act. Um, uh, we know I'm very much on record thinking this is a terrible idea for a million different reasons. Um, but to just in case, you know, you're kind of coming to this and thinking, well, well, you must be light on the border. Um, I, I think the border is I think the border is a very important issue. Um, and I think we do need border security. And I think we do need, you know, a rule of law on the border. I do think our immigration system is, is very highly screwed up. Um, but if you have the, what's going to happen now is Trump's doing the uh, national emergency. The House can vote to overturn that emergency. If the Senate agrees, which I think they likely will, it will go to uh, Donald Trump, who will then uh, veto. Which I, I would again, this at this no point sense. that makes the sense to think. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. Now again, this is not Definitely how it was, what our yeah. founders intended. Yeah. Well, and it was not even what the people who passed the National Emergency Act <laughs> intended. They wanted it just to be a simple majority that got overturned in the in the Supreme Court. So Trump can veto it. It'll go back to the House. Uh, I think they have a very tiny chance of overturning the veto. Um, it's not zero percent, uh, but it's pretty pretty darn small. Uh, I think though, what I've, I've kind of been interested about the last twenty four hours as this has developed is. The Democrats in particular, what do they actually want out of this, right? They keep saying they want Donald Trump. Do they want to overturn this? And I think that that 
in their minds at this moment, that's true. They don't want a wall. They don't want him taking the money. They don't want him taking this control. However, the big picture is I think they love They're this salivating. outcome. Mm-hmm. They are salivating at the chance to be able to use it and exploit it well, to the maximum extent possible. Oh yes, my gosh, many of them over have. and over about and over again. And We're about saying gun. it today: climate change, guns, healthcare, and it? healthcare. Yeah, it's interesting to hear that at the same time that they're saying that they're going to try to overturn it. Right. Um, uh, yes. No. I know. I think they. Well, they're saying because it's not a national emergency. Right. They're that's not saying their, we disagree with it. They're saying you. we is, disagree that it's a national emergency. This is exactly where I'm going Ugh. because if they actually, it's not that they disagree with giant power out of this one figure that the president was never supposed to have, right? They, if they just say this particular thing. We actually think it's an emergency that not enough people are coming in, right? <laughs> like I, I, I was saying this on the air earlier today. Like people are like, well, we get a wall and it's permanent. Walls fall down. They <laughs> knock them down all the time, all over the world. This is not a crazy. Th- the second a Democrat gets in there, they will have a national emergency emergency and saying, we are killing people on the border, and they'll knock the whole thing down, and you'll get nothing out of this. Not true. Ask the people of Berlin. Anyway, what were you saying? <laughs> Beyond all of this, though, if you were serious, if the Democrats really oppose this, you know what they'd sound a lot like? They'd sound a lot like Mike Lee. This is what Mike Lee said about the particular Emergency Act. My initial assessment is that what President Trump announced is legal. Whether or not it should be legal is a different matter. Congress has been ceding far too much power to the executive branch for decades. We should use this as a this moment as an opportunity to start taking that power back. It's this is not a, a one issue about the border. It's not an issue about uh, you know how even the precedent that we're setting here for for Democrats in the future. It's an issue about the Constitution specifically says how this is supposed to be handled. And, it's in, and we've decided that it's okay. We can pass enabling acts to override the Constitution. It specifically says Congress must handle trade. It could sp- specifically says they must handle the power of the purse. And just because Congress decides to vote that they want to hand that power to something else doesn't mean they should be able to. I think that all of this stuff is, is, is unconstitutional. And we should get back to the Mike Lee version of this, which is, hey, uh, you know what? Congress needs to do the things the, con- the Constitution specifically says it should do. If we all decided to vote, hey, we don't want, uh, you know, we shouldn't allow ourselves to have uh, freedom of speech, for example. Well, you can amend the Constitution and take the freedom of speech out of there, but you can't vote yourself out of a right like that. That's not the way that works. So, so that Mike Lee guy you're referencing wants to sort of maintain the integrity of the institution rather than use power as a football going back and forth? It's a crazy idea, Andrew. But good luck to that so. guy. <laughs> yeah, like, well, ugh, good luck. Uh, no, but seriously, I, I do want to. I'm interested to get the libertarian take on I, your. I feel like you'd be right on. I 100. I 100 agree with all of that. I mean, yeah. like, I don't. Um, I, I I think the the basic premise of, of allowing the president to declare a national emergency whenever he or she doesn't like the outcome of Congress is like putting Mad Libs in the Constitution. That's just a horrible, horrible idea to do. Don't do that. An emergency. An emergency declaration should be, and I, I'm not in favor of them. But it should be like the, the declaration of war. The president has the right, in my opinion, to say, we've got to go to war right now because we've just been attacked. But then within 30 days, he's supposed to go to Congress and say, I need you to finance this. Mm-hmm. After 30 days, without a declaration of war, we're not at war. And it should, all that money should be piped down and should be shut off. We don't do that anymore. That's the same thing with a national emergency. If he needs to act quickly, act quickly. But the Congress is the one that has the purse strings. And it's, it's not the Senate. It was important to the founders that it has Congress because they are the ones supposedly closest to the people and the easiest to unseat. Mm. They're the reason why they have the checkbook. 
All right, back in a minute. <clears throat> I might have my thing on my program on Tuesday. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. I'm going to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a pertinent issue. But... All right, before we get back into it, we want to thank our sponsor, Relief Factor. Uh, so I know Glenn used to just live in constant pain. Mm-hmm. And when you live in constant pain, you just want to like jump off a bridge all the time. Yeah, you do. <laughs> um, you, you, uh, it, it's just. It affects every part of your life. Yeah, you're grumpy all the time and you're not, you just don't want to do anything. And you just get to the point of like, well, this isn't worth living like mm-hmm. this. I can't live this way anymore. And I was like that about a year, a year and a half ago. And I've been dealing with it for almost, what, eight years now, nine years. Uh, and I just, I was just done. And my wife said, before you do anything stupid, like quit your job or something, just take this, try this. We were this close. Oh, jeez. Blame <laughs> on Tanya. Blame Tanya. Um, so we tried Relief Factor. And, and, and I told her, I said, it's not going to work. It's all natural and that crap never works. Yeah, why don't we try some, why don't we try some natural oils some horoscopes. Too. Yeah, all right. Um, but this did. And it, I have a problem, and we all do, if you have pain, inflammation. This helps reduce inflammation. And they found that about se- it works about 70% of the time for people. Um, so if you try it for three weeks and it doesn't work for you, if you're not out of pain, it's not going to work for you. If it does, you should order more, and that's why 70% of the people do. They go on to order more month after month like I have. Yeah. Uh, all right, so go to relieffactor.com. The three-week three quick start pack is only nineteen ninety-five. So like Glenn said, 70% of the people keep going on to order more. That's worth 20 bucks to find out if it can work for you. Uh, Andrew, you had a question for Glenn. A question for Glenn yes. at, the, at the beginning of the wait, program. Wait, wait, wait. So today's a segment of the Blaze Why. <laughs> oh, nice. Yes. Yeah. Uh, today, our question will come from uh, what, Mighty Heaton. Mighty he- at Mighty Heaton. At Mighty Heaton. Follow me on Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> made yes. some comment about a German rat earlier. I use Twitter for what it's designed for. Uh, what, what I wanted to ask you, Glenn, was at the beginning of the program, we were talking about um, the uh, anti-infanticide legislation, and, and you used a, a turn of phrase that I thought was interesting. You, you said that you thought uh, divine providence might be uh, retracted uh, or, or taken away, and so, I, I was curious as to, you know... Yeah, so um, uh, there's a couple of things on this. Um, I believe we are a country, uh, well, I know for a fact that George Washington made a covenant with God, a four-hour kneel in prayer with everyone who attended the first inauguration, a covenant in the little church that was across the street from the World Trade Center, the one that had never been had the windows shattered or anything. It survived somehow. Um, That is where he knelt in prayer for four solid hours and made a covenant. We will be your people. You will be our God. And that guided us and I think protected us. And many presidents, including Abraham Lincoln, felt that 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 covenant was in effect. And in his second inaugural address, he said, it's God's will. We have... We have done these things, and we are going to pay a price for this. And if it's God's will that he washes us clean, you know, with all the blood uh, and all of our treasure, then so be it. Um, I believe we have had this protection for a long time, and we have strayed further and further and further and further. I think when we get to the point to where we are a nation that can't say, yeah, we shouldn't kill our own children, I think that covenant is over. I think we've broken that covenant. Um, and that doesn't mean that, you know, God's going to punish us. It means you're on your own, guys. You're on your own. 
you know, England does this, France does this. They don't have a, a pact with God like we did. One more example. Around the same time that we were making this covenant with uh, God, Haiti did exactly the opposite. And Haiti made a covenant with Satan. They wanted to stop slaves, uh, the, the slave trade, and they couldn't kill the French. And they couldn't stop it. And so the slaves got together, all the witch, you know, the, the voodoo stuff, and they made a pact. Same time. Now look at the two paths. Slavery stopped. They chased the French to where? New Orleans. New Orleans, with all of its dark magic and everything else, that city is kind of screwed up. But that came from Haiti. Haiti has been a country that has never had a break, ever. I've talked to the people around the president of Haiti. He knows it. The people in his administration know it. We're talking about going down and bringing a bunch of uh, uh, real preachers, not, you know, not fakey preachers, real people of God. The president of Haiti wants to get down on his knees and do exactly what George Washington did and break that contract with darkness and make a new covenant with God. And I think when you do that, I think that country will turn around. Andrew? Out of curiosity, like with like the Byzantine Empire or the Roman Empire, like is it, is it always a covenant that's nope. broken where the covenant's not nope. formed? Nope. Um, no, we made a specific covenant. The only other country that's had a covenant like this is Israel. The, the ancient Israel had a covenant and they broke the covenant. We are a covenant nation. There's only been two in the history of the world, us and Israel. Okay. I mean, I, just, I feel like most, most European nations for you know, the last thousand years up until 1700 would yeah. view themselves as explicitly Christian and, and far yeah, more yeah, there's a difference. Than us. There's a difference between saying we're a Christian nation and dedicating this nation and dedicating it in the proper way with a covenant and saying, we are forming this nation to serve you. They, they honestly, and, and some of the biggest uh, scholars on our founders, they rejected this notion when I first expressed it. One of them came back a year later, a year and a half later, with a, with a book saying, yeah, it is true. I think you're right. That our founders believed that one of the reasons why we were supposed to be formed is we were going to be instrumental in the reestablishment of ancient Israel. And so they made that covenant to do his will and to bring, a, uh, bring about um, what he wanted and to reestablish the ancient, ancient Israel. And they believed that we were actually the new Israelites. They believed that the pilgrims were actually a continuation of the exodus from, Eve, from Egypt away from the Pharaoh. And now the Pharaoh was in England and they came here and this was the promised land. So it's a di it takes on a whole different view because it, it's not just Christian. It is the Old Testament and the New Testament. It is Israel and, and the promised land and the Jewish people all rolled up into one. Stu, I feel like you and I need, like, we needed popcorn. Yeah, <laughs> watch this back and forth. So I just, I, 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 th th this is fascinating. For those of us that aren't a part of that, like, are we, are we dragging you guys down? Yes, that that's like, what we've been no, saying. I mean, no, no, we no. didn't want to tell you, but okay. yeah. yeah, no, no, no. It's not. No, no, no. It's not that. It's not that we have to be. The the founders fought for everybody's right. They fought for everyone's right, even to be atheist. It doesn't matter. Are you a good person? However. 
the nation must have a good moral foundation to it. When we start killing children, there's no one that can look you in, in the eye with a straight face and say, oh, we're doing, we're doing the good thing. Not even God's will. We're doing the right thing by killing children. No one can say that. You've stepped over a line that no covenant could exist with that. All right. Got to take a break. We'll be back. If, if you know New Orleans and you've seen the playoffs the last two years, you know they are cursed. That is absolutely true. Notice I had to target that joke at Sarah. Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze TV subscribers. Not a subscriber? Start your free trial at blazetv.com. Andrew, I'm really excited, I think Stu is as well, that you have come to the table to talk about the NFL draft. That's right. I mm. think that they are really on top of things. Mm-hmm. And wow. uh, Justin Schneider uh, is going to do great for yeah. the what school did he go to. He went to, to TU. Mm-hmm. TU. Good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, there you go. All wow. Right. That was good analysis. <laughs> Schneider. He's all over Schneider, everybody. <laughs> Bet Schneider. Uh, okay, no, the draft. Uh, yes, the draft. So uh, the draft, which which you and I probably signed up for, at least for the selective service thing. Yeah, I didn't. Um, uh, uh, that has been uh, deemed unconstitutional in a federal court. So this is at the district level, which is to say that it'll probably be appealed by somebody, and it'll it may very well go up to the Supreme Court. I hope it does, and I hope it remains unconstitutional because I think it should be and is. Uh, the way it worked is um, this was attempted a few years back in, and I think the seventies. It was like Rosker versus somebody else, uh, and at the time the argument was, hey this is an unfair draft based on the fact that it only applies to men. So past equal rights, um, if we're only going to do this for one gender and not for the other, it is therefore unconstitutional. The court at that time, because again this is the 70s, the court went, we don't have women in the military, it doesn't really matter, this is not a germane topic. However, now post-2014, post-2015, we have women in combat and in virtually every role in the military, so it is, it is more of an issue. So the, uh, the court uh, in southern Texas ruled that, yes, in fact, this does violate the equality clause uh, and therefore, or violate the, the concept of equality and therefore we're not going to have the draft be constitutional anymore. So a couple of caveats to this. The draft isn't in effect and has not been since the 70s either. So if you're at home and you're 16 and a half, you probably don't need to worry about this. <laughs> this is more of a philosophical bent than it is a particular worry. Um, but I think it's an important one. And I'll tell you why. I, I would, if we're going to have a draft, I want it to be gender equitable. I would either write all the genders to be drafted or not have it. I, I prefer that. However, I would not actually no. prefer that. I would just like to state for the record. I'm good with you guys but, being the big, strong, tough guys. This is, but this is where I come in is I don't think we should have a draft at all. And it's not because of a gender issue. It's because you, like, we're the land of the free and the home of the brave. I am not worried about the United States being able to yield up sufficient soldiers to defend the homeland. I, I trust 100% in the veracity of the American people to rise to every challenge that we're given. We don't need some guy to come into our house with a gun and then order us to go kill somebody we don't like with a gun. I, that is not necessary, and I, I think that it's, frankly, morally heinous. I, I think having a draft is comparable to slave soldiers, and we should get rid of that entirely. I uh, certainly agree with that. Um, I think uh, the uh, you know I, mean, I was complaining I actually, about TSA agents. Wusses. And we, yes. Well, yeah. First of all, I don't want to be drafted because I'm a wuss. Uh, my dad was. I mean, a I'll kill there. people. You, you I just want to. I just yeah. want to do it on my time. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, I was saying the same thing about the TSA agents being called back into work during the government shutdown. Like, you, you can't force people. That is, we did have a 14th Amendment because of an issue. We didn't want to force people to do jobs they didn't want to do. That was like a real thing yeah. we went through. We, in this we had country. a thing about I don't know if anyone yeah. remembers it. Um, a little bit controversial at yeah, times. 
Yeah, yeah and I, you know, I honestly don't, it's interesting to bring this up. In my head, like, that's just blatantly unconstitutional. You can't force people to go, you know, into military service. Though, the Constitution really does allow for a lot of wartime exceptions. For example, the Third Amendment, which uh, stops you from uh, having soldiers quartered in your home, which is a, you know, it's like, oh, like, if the Second Amendment old chestnut. first one, they really got that one first, second, fourth, fifth, we talk about them all the time. The third one's like, wait, what? which one is that? <laughs> but it also has an exception. It's, it's in peacetime. Mm-hmm. So war, so in theory, if we are at war, yes, they can come and sleep at your house. Uh, same thing with uh, with um, uh, the 14th Amendment has, uh, you know, when it, it comes down to slavery is illegal, uh, but not if you are, if you do something Debtors wrong. prison or something. Yeah, like if you like go commit a crime or like there's, there's lots of exceptions for those things. And I, I honestly don't know. I, I can't remember honestly studying at all the, the draft specifically. It feels like it should be unconstitutional, but is it? That's fair. And I, I don't know. I would need yeah. to read the Constitution again. And I would say if that's the case, then I would relent because I would rather, much as I despise the idea of slave soldiers, I, I also, <laughs> so far as the Constitution goes, I don't want people making up elements of the Constitution right. that aren't there because rule of law is also very important. That said, though, the, the underlying philosophical construct yes. I'm going to say I'm very much against. And if someone wanted to write a constitutional amendment prohibiting the draft, I'd be very much in favor of it. Yeah, I would agree. And also I would say just pragmatically, like, I don't want a bunch of people fighting next to me that don't want to be don't there. Don't want to be there. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I, it's just, like, not a good rational way to build. If you're going to win wars, you have to have enough people to be able to fill your army and, and to if, win them. And if you can't, maybe that particular war is not a very good one. Like, if we're having that much trouble going to Vietnam... Maybe Vietnam's right. not a real good war to be in. Right. Right. I mean, I think that's a, that's a pretty logical uh, endpoint. And, I, you know, again, you don't want to be, there's no reason. I mean, we, we've created, you know, a lot of people who went to war and, and went through things they didn't want to go through and something that they didn't believe. That's not the right way to do this. You know, we, it, I, you know, I think there's a, we've had a, we've been on the right side of a lot of these things. We're not perfect as a country, but I think we've done pretty well as compared to uh, what you would compare this to, other nations and what they've done in their past. So I think we've, generally speaking, have a, we've been on the right path overall, though at times we cross that line. And it feels like the draft is a good, like, just a you know, rule of thumb. You know, maybe not cross that line. That doesn't, doesn't seem good for the soldiers, doesn't seem good for the people who don't want to be there, and it certainly doesn't seem good for the country as a whole. Uh, while I agree with mm-hmm. what you guys are saying, just to mm-hmm. play devil's advocate on one thing that you guys said, Andrew, or that you said, Andrew, is that you think that Americans would rise to the occasion in the event of wartime. Yeah. That's a solid amount of optimism that you have <laughs> in the American people because I don't know that I could say, yes, I think that Americans would be really ready to go out and put themselves out there. I mean, we live in a pretty selfish, entitled country. We you know, selfishness is doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. However, when you look at historically, like, you know, World War I, World War II, we had, like, World War II, we had people that were going and joining Canada so that they could go fight the Germans ahead of time. They were well, so yeah, but, I, but that was a totally different time, totally different society. Morals were totally different. I mean, this day and age, I, I just don't feel like anyone would want to do something like that and put themselves out I'm, I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, meet your pessimism with, with <laughs> other pessimism, okay. which is that though people are selfish, people are also inherently tribalistic. That's not going to go away. <laughs> and if the tribe is ever threatened by another tribe, you can count on human beings to want to go kill that tribe. So I, well, I, I think, I think 9-11, right? I mean, I think yeah. you, I mean, you saw people leaving the NFL to go, uh, yeah. uh, to go and, and fight. Uh, overseas, and I, I think you know we didn't have we didn't need a draft there, despite have two wars at the same time. Um, you know, like I, I think 
We've also, war has come a long way, you know, I mean, we're not talking now anymore about, you know, tens and 20, 20 30,000 people dying in one battle on a certain, in a specific day. You know, we are, we've seen, you know, if you read Pinker's book, uh, you know, Better Angels of Our Nature, you'll see that this has really improved over, over time. You know, a lot of people complain, and I, you probably would have, you know, a lot of libertarians have the same complaint that they're like, this is our longest war, for example, in Afghanistan. Well, I, I always push back a little bit on that. It's like, why would you measure war by time? To me, war should be measured by how many people it kills. And the fact that this is a, in, um, among that measure uh, in every way is much prefer- far more preferable than any war that lasted a short period of time and a million people died. I mean... I will, the, the libertarian in me will point out it also costs a lot of money. It does cost a lot of money. Uh, there's uh, a lot yeah. of treasure that's got it, if not Believe blood. me, I'm not, I'm not advocating for, hey, let's have some more wars. I'm not, that's not where I am. But I mean, I do think that like, there's some element of you know, people didn't want to go to Vietnam because they, that experience for people in large part was, you know, you were, uh, it wasn't just that they, they weren't like for communism necessarily. It was that they were, you know, they were in swamps and it was tough and it was brutal life. And then going back to World War II, the same thing. These were immense sacrifices that people made and, and certainly our soldiers of today as well. But the chances of dying are lower. Uh, we are much better at doing these things than we used to be. You know, it's not like now there's mass bombs everywhere and, and firefights everywhere. These, you know, there are our special forces have had to go through a lot of that um, uh, on smaller scales. But, it, it, you know, war's changed quite a bit. And I think largely speaking, oddly for the better. I mean, the fact that we're not just carpet bombing cities anymore um, is a real positive. Uh, I just think I, I would like to have none of these and no wars at all. That'd be great. But when these things do happen, they, are, they do tend to be more controlled. Doesn't mean everyone's going to be for the future. Obviously, there's the possibility of nuclear war and all these other things. But Which we won't need a draft for. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, that's right. Just beep, beep, beep. Yeah. And we'll just all die. Yeah, so yeah. that'd be great. Oh, good. Yeah. Unless okay, the spies like us laser is real. If that's real, we can knock them out of the sky. Mm. So just consider that. Uh, really quickly, mm-hmm. Stu, I heard Stephen Crowder on with you guys on radio this morning. Yeah. And I encourage everyone to go back and uh, listen. To, it was hour one. Yes, he was of, right, right off the beginning of the show. Yeah, of your mm-hmm. radio program. Um, tell us a little bit about what happened with that. Because um, I know that he was doing a, a bit on the Oscars, yeah. watching the Oscars, so we didn't have to. Yes. And he got... He got booted from YouTube? Yeah, they did an Oscars commentary sort of party. And, you know, they, they dressed up in characters and they made fun of, uh, of, made fun of the Oscars. And, uh, and they had done this in previous years. And uh, for whatever reason this time, ABC decided they were going to get him booted off of YouTube uh, for a copyright complaint. Now, he said that they he mentioned that they showed a brief piece of, uh, of the video, maybe on the TV in the background, um, uh, you know, and I think, you know, he's definitely arguing like uh, this is fair use. We're, you know, we're, 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 we're using it in a transformative way. And, you know, Stephen has been successful in fighting um, uh, people cracking down on these sorts of things before. Uh, he's not kind of uh, afraid of jumping in that legal battle with big time attorneys and fighting it out. And he's won several times. Um, you know, Oscars are notoriously horrible when it comes to copyright stuff. I mean, when you want to talk about the Oscars the next day, you have like, enough room to run one like 20 second clip and if you run more than that they will come after you they are as hard, they are as bad as they can be for anybody but when it comes to a conservative uh you know creditors saying like look this is ridiculous i mean they're coming after us because we're making fun of them mm-hmm. uh and that is that is the issue here not uh the other way around and 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 his point which i think is is really valid is you know, if we don't step up and fight back against these things uh, when they come around and we just fold every single time, 
uh, you know, they are going to continue to come after conservatives and, and just pick them off one by one. I know Glenn's afraid of this. We talked to Peter uh, Schweitzer, who's uh, he's on the pod- he was on the podcast. I don't know if it was this week or last week. Uh, Glenn's interview podcast, where he did a whole thing about Google and Facebook and YouTube. He has a, a, a documentary out about it and about the way that they have specifically targeted conservatives. And he, you know. Some of, sometimes I think conservatives get in this sort of like conspiracy theory world where every time one of our video gets videos get pulled down, we're like, oh, gosh, it's Zuckerberg and he's just liberal. And that's that like but there is, you know, Schweitzer goes through real evidence of, um, you know, uh, of the way that, you know, the algorithms prioritize content that is targeted more to the left uh, and and push down in, in the results um, uh, conservative content. This is a, this is like a real battle because you're in this world where um there's a temptation to just pull yourself back, right, and just not put your stuff out there and not and not engage. Why are we going to let them have access to our content? We're making this original content. Why are we going to give it to Facebook and, and YouTube so that they can make money off of it when they're targeting us? On the other hand, like that's we have to be in that you know the, the battlefield of ideas, and people need to see conservative content and libertarian content because they won't get it from the mainstream media. So it's a really it's a really tough line to walk, and Stephen's right in the middle of that battle. And, uh, you know, I think that's one of the important reasons why something like Blaze TV exists. It's like there is a, a little bit of a pocket, a little safe space to, to, to make content that's not going to, you know, uh, get targeted in that way uh, for now. I, I think <laughs> I'll just point out, I, while I'm not an attorney, I kind of look like one. We do. And thank you. I don't know that I would pay you a retainer for I can be a barrister. I think yeah, I could like yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. show up in okay. a Canadian, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, I, I don't know. That, like, I, working in entertainment, I, I've, mm-hmm. I've had to deal with fair use law a lot, yeah. and um, that what he's doing seems fine. Like, the, the point of fair use law is to keep me from taking your product and then just selling it. All right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like that's the point of right. fair use law. If you're making a new work, which he is, particularly if he's just talking about it, like there's, there would be no grounds whatsoever unless he showed something. But even then, if it's like a quarter of the screen and it's him discussing it, that's clearly a separate act. Like there's no, yeah. I, you, you, would, you would need a very, very good high-powered legal team to basically snuff out the actual argument against that. So Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I mean, the Oscars, a lot of this is, you know, people enforcing their copyrights and going after everything that they want to. And, you know, some... Some organizations are tougher than others. I know in sports, for example, there's been a lot of people in sports radio over the years who have tried to do, hey, there's a big game on TV. I'm going to do a show talking about what's going on in the game. And at times, the leagues crack down on them and they say, you can't do play-by-play. We, we license that right. You cannot do play-by-play of our games. That is our, our material and you can't do it. You could talk about it in general, but you can't give a play-by-play account because that is essentially what we license for millions and millions and billions in some cases of dollars. I'm not allowed to flip off the camera, am I? Because I, I, I think that's nonsense. So really? I, like, like you I could, prefer it if you didn't. Uh, but, like, so so if, I, if I don't even have the, if it's just me talking about the big mm-hmm. game, I could not do that. They will come after you for some, sure for that. Some thug has decided he's got a monopoly over what I can say on air. Yeah, I mean, look, they sell play-by-play rights to broadcast networks. I mean, and the uh, ESPN paid, what, $3 billion for the NBA? Mm-hmm. Um, now, of course, that pictures and accounts, right? That's what it covers. So if someone else is just doing a radio broadcast, how can they sell the radio broadcast to the station that's licensed it? I understand the argument. Yeah, that's, yeah freedom of speech is real tough. I, I'm sorry that yeah. that's going to abrogate your profit margin, <laughs> but like, yeah, we still are going to have freedom of speech, NFL. Oh. <laughs> Wow. See, this. I got you to talk about sports today. I know. Yes. Yeah. I'm really proud, I'm proud of Thank you. Yeah, apparently I don't like it. <laughs> uh, all right. Yesterday's poll question. Do you think Trump's declaration of a national emergency over border security is constitutional? 
81% of you said Good. yes. Yes, of course. Hey, but I got 19. I feel like that's pretty good. Well, 11% said no and 8% okay, 11. said Okay, 11. I'll take it. I'll take it. I feel pretty good. I mean, at least I got a few unsures, too. I mean, I really thought we could be in the 90s on that one, so I feel pretty, pretty accomplished. <laughs> it's a good day. Well, but, I mean, you know, Mike Lee even said... It may be it may be. I don't right? think it actually is constitutional. I mean, I, and Mike is the, I mean, the smartest guy on this stuff. I think what he's saying is, is it's legal. Yeah. So, like, there's a line there, right? Like, yeah. it, I think he is executing the law as written. I don't think the law, the law as written is, is actually constitutional. constitutional. And I think the courts will agree with that. Uh, and I think they will overturn it. I don't, and that's the worst part about this. We're giving up this giant precedent for something like this, and it may not even get us anywhere. If it, however, I will say, if it does get overturned, maybe the precedent goes away, and maybe that's the best of both worlds. Mm. Yeah. Uh, today's poll question, are you surprised the Born Alive Act that we've talked about, it would require medical professionals to provide medical care to infants who survive failed abortions. Are you surprised that that was blocked? Uh, by the Senate yesterday. Let us know at The Blaze's Twitter. I'm surprised because I guess when we were talking about it, we didn't talk about the fact that they would need to have the two-thirds majority, or the 60 votes to even vote on it. Yeah, because it was this dumb procedural thing. Really dumb. And super confusing. And I swear... 95% 95% of the reporters who write about it do not know what the procedure is either. No. And they just I, use really vague terms. Yeah. I mean, I, I wanted to see if we'd have any, any people, any Republicans saying no to this and how many Democrats would come along. And the fact that you got three uh, was something. You know, a couple of Republicans. Uh, I mean, it's better than zero, I feel like. Um, and by the way, there was two uh, Republicans who did not, or three Republicans total who did not vote on this. Murkowski, who's pro-choice, and I think prob- may have very well voted with the Democrats. Uh, however, uh, Kramer and Scott mm-hmm. uh, did not vote on it as well. They had uh, flight delays. Yeah. Uh, uh, which, because as Pat pointed out this morning, there's no theoretical way these senators could vote from a location outside of Washington, right? We don't have the it's technology not possible with the, via magical phone devices or internet world. Well, l- l- legally, they, I don't think legally we can do right. proxy voting, can Isn't this we? But crazy though, yeah, that is a very odd year, thing. Is it? Yeah, like let these people stay we, in their districts two, and vote. Two packs of hologram, yeah. <laughs> dead rappers performing live. Yes. We can't, <laughs> we can't rig up a phone system. Thank you. Well, but I mean, it just it frustrates me though, Stu, because you know you just pointed out, well, Murkowski. Usually votes with pro-choice, so it wouldn't. But this isn't an abortion bill. I know, I know. This isn't a pro-choice, pro-life argument. It could have gone either way with her. I think she may. I mean, because I think Collins did vote for it, um, since she recognized. I mean, even though she's pro-choice, she voted for it, and I think that's the the right vote. I mean, like I I think you could say this is dumb. Why am I doing this? The infanticide's already illegal. I think that's an okay position to say. Come on, guys, this isn't really going to happen. That's still you're that's still associated with a yes vote on this one. I think. I agree. All right, that is it from us. Uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow. We're going to talk some more NFL draft. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Hoping the Steelers uh, get Steelers. Kevin Durant. Get a beer. <laughs> Boy, wouldn't that be a second? Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.